When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Dear Prudence. I'm your Prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. It's wedding week at Slate, so today I'll be answering letters from readers with dilemmas about whether parents are obligated to pay for weddings they don't support for whatever reason, whether a mean sister should get to attend an elopement, and whether you're really invited if you don't have a paper invitation in hand. Here to help me out today is Shana Roth. She's a producer for The Waves, Slate's podcast about feminism and gender. She also helps with research, production, and development on several other shows. In between all of this, she co-hosts the weekly series and podcast, Mitch Mash. Since we're doing an all-wedding episode, I asked her to come prepared to talk about three things you might want to know about her experience or perspective in this area. Okay, Shana, first one. Um, okay, so I took this as sort of like three things that I learned from my own wedding, which oh, great. one is... Have the food that you want to have, which sounds like kind of an obvious one, but like my husband's a picky eater. If anybody's read any of my writing or uh, listened to me on other shows, they know this. Um, so we had pizza and barbecue for our dinner at our wedding, and it was the best thing ever. So don't feel like you have to have the, you know, chicken or fish options, sit down, whatever. Like really be sure to customize your food. Make it make it for you guys and make sure that it's something you'll enjoy eating. Well, that also sounds like the food everyone would like to have more than yes. the dry piece of chicken with yes. like a little broccoli on the side. That's a really good idea. But I would just say like, it, unless you have terrible taste in food. Also true. Or maybe have like a few options in case you have something that's really like niche for you yeah. that other people might not like. Right. Did you eat much at your wedding? I did. Um, I was very fortunate that a friend of mine saved a piece of cake for myself and my husband each. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we would not have gotten any cake. That stuff went like crazy. That's probably like like a 1A or 1B part of all this is make sure that someone will save you a piece of cake because totally. we had none left over. And I was very worried that I wasn't going to get any cake. Um, but I was able to like sit down and eat. We just sat with family and it was very laid back, very chill. And it was delicious food. Okay. Next thing. So my next thing is I would like for everybody to calm down about the whole, like, my partner can't see me in my wedding outfit ahead Mm. of time. Wedding outfit. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that you call it a wedding outfit, I feel like, reveals a lot about your um, maybe non-traditional attitude. I have really, like, come around on this, but I am one of those people where I like to have multiple opinions on what I'm going to wear. And, like, it's okay if, like, the day of you're like, oh, I don't want them to see me. But I snuck a picture of the dress that I was considering to my husband and my sister like lost her mind on me. She's like, what are you doing? You can't just, I'm like, I think I'm going to send him a picture. She's like, no, you can't. I'm like, okay, no, I won't. And then I did anyway. I'm like, do you like this? Because this guy is, you know, he's my best friend. I Mm -hmm. value his opinion above all other people. And I was like, I think I like this dress. I think this is what's working for me. I'm just curious about what he thinks about it. 
And he's the one who's obligated to tear up a little bit when he sees you in it. So. Absolutely. I was like, is this going to do it? Is this, is this going to, is this going to make you cry? He's like, I don't know, but I like it. It's pretty. So, you know, it's not like he gave like great uh, stylistic advice, but I think the whole idea of like, no, the outfit has to be like secret ahead of time. I'm like, because eh, you're going to have the emotions no matter what, because when you're in the moment and the totally. thing is happening, like you're going to have the feels. It doesn't really matter if they know, you know, how many sequins are on your dress or like what the cut is or if you're in a jumpsuit. That's a really, really good point. And I think more people should adopt that. Plus, in like a heterosexual marriage, the woman always knows the man's outfit before, right? Right. So why can't it go both ways? Absolutely. Okay, third thing. The third thing, and this is a very practical piece of advice. If you can swing it, have everything at the same place. The Mm. traveling between venues is based on like my experiences at other people's weddings, just so frustrating and chaotic for a lot of people. We had our ceremony and our reception all in like this big, it's not, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a warehouse, you know, cause it was Lansing, Michigan. Lansing, mm-hmm. Michigan doesn't really have a warehouse, <laughs> but it was like an open venue space. It's like, you know, like in one area that was kind of sectioned off, was where the ceremony was and that was decorated one way and then there was like a little cocktail reception area and then there was like the little dinner and dancing area and it was all decorated but it was really nice because it was in like a downtown area everybody could just move to the next section if they wanted to leave and come back they could but it was really nice to not be like okay i'm here and now i have like a weird amount of time to kill before the next thing, but I have to drive and am I going to get there in time and where is it and everything else. So I really like that we were just able to like have everybody hang out in the same place. As someone who hates driving around unfamiliar places and like even with Google Maps, I still find a way to mess it up. Um, I would really appreciate that. And I think what you said goes to like a larger point, which is try to think about what would be nice for your guests. Like, yes, yes, it's your day. But also, like, if you want everyone to be in a good mood, and if you want it to be a day that people remember fondly, think a little bit about their experience in addition to yours. I'm just going to add my piece of advice here because it just popped into my mind. It's a regret I have. Get video. Um, Oh, yeah. I didn't get video of my wedding because I'm like a self-conscious person who, I mean... Some listeners might know I don't listen to this podcast. I can't listen to myself. (laughs) I would never want to watch myself on video. And I just thought I would feel self-conscious knowing that I was being filmed. So we passed on that um, despite the wedding planner's recommendations. And now I just like really, really wish I had it. Um, And I treasure the short little iPhone videos that other people took. Oh, that's interesting. We did not do video either. And I did not really miss it at all. I've seen people who've had like, really nice like wedding trailers. And I guess nowadays, it's different where you can just put it on your phone. And then like every once in a while, when you're feeling nostalgic, just pull Mm -hmm. it up. It's not like, oh, here's the VHS tape of our wedding. And it's all like not (laughs) edited and like a relative did it and everything else. Um, But yeah, but like, I never really thought about like, should we have gotten a video or not? I really like the pictures that we do look through the pictures quite often. Oh, yeah. My other um, digital imagery piece of advice. I'm looking right now at all my wedding pictures scrolling by on a digital photo frame. Oh, nice. um, And I think that's the, you pay so much for this stuff. I mean, you pay so much for the whole day. I think that's the best way to get your money's worth is like I still six years later am looking at my wedding pictures every day because they're just going by on my desk. And I Absolutely. 
get all uh, get the rights to the pictures do everything put it on pillows shutterfly exists for mm-hmm. a reason put, <laughs> put it on, on coffee pillows. mugs put it on blankets do yeah. all of it <laughs> absolutely anyway um thank you for those pieces of advice and we'll be back after a short break The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. I love how easy it is to use. And as a person who can be really self-conscious about making mistakes, I love that I don't have to actually talk to a real human while I'm still working on my vocabulary and my accent. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel the science-based language-driven learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and rooted in real-life situations. They're delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com prudy. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash prudy, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash prudy. Rules and restrictions may apply. Adultish is back. And this season, we're talking about standing up and learning how to take a stand for issues on the minds of young people, like book bans. The book banning side, they have an incredibly well-oiled machine. Filling in food deserts. We have three community colleges where we either provide food boxes or an actual operating farmer's market. And what's affecting young people's mental and emotional health. Pressures of school, friendships from romantic relationships, pressures from family. New episodes of Adultish from YR Media drop every Thursday, so subscribe wherever you're listening now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. You're listening to Dear Prudence, and I'm here with Shana Roth. Hey, Shana. Hello. Thank you again so much for helping me out today. Um, We're going to dive right in with our first letter. It's titled, Only Trust It on Paper. Can you trust a wedding invite before the paper invitation? 
to put it in context, earlier this year, a friend texted me wanting my email address and home address for wedding bits, which I assumed was a forthcoming invitation. I just responded, exciting. I'd also been invited to and attended her engagement party. An invitation never came, and she never told me that I wasn't invited anymore. I just saw the wedding on social media. She's never talked directly to me about this, and I didn't bring it up, but she did nod to it post-wedding when we were hanging out, and she mentioned that the only venue they'd found with the dates they'd wanted was smaller than the kind they'd initially envisioned, and so had redone their wedding vision. Fair enough. That's fine. Weddings are for the bride and groom, and while we're good friends, we're not besties, and I can understand not making the cut. However, Another friend has told me just when casually chatting last June that her wedding is abroad on a date in April 2024, the exact day I can't remember, and even said, does that date work for you to me and would I be able to come? At the time, whatever date it was did work. It was two years away. But now my brother has announced his wedding date in April next year. I want to text my friend and ask for her wedding date so that I can tell her now if I can make it, as I kind of already said yes. Also, she was clear in that convo it was a small wedding. Plus, I'm very hopeful that they are different dates in April, as I'd love to attend both. However, clearly wedding invites change. We don't see each other that often, which was also the case when she verbally invited me. What if I'm no longer on the guest list and make her feel super awkward? I doubt it, but don't want to assume I'm invited without an actual paper invitation. So one strong belief I have about weddings that comes up pretty often in my responses is that the whole wedding industrial complex, and in particular, the experience of being a bride in the wedding industrial complex, somehow convinces you that everyone from your middle school classmate to your coworker who you don't talk to to your friend from second grade, everyone really, really wants to come to your wedding. And they're Mm. just obsessing over whether they get that invitation. And I just generally don't think that's true. I'm always telling people, don't worry about it so much. Like these people who are not your best friends um, are not sitting there dying to spend their Saturday traveling somewhere, spending money, sitting at a table of people they don't know and having like a mediocre amount of fun. Um, but this person is, is proving to be the exception to the rule. She really, really <laughs> wants to be invited to these weddings. And I respect that. And I bet she's a really good guest who's like the first one out on the dance floor getting things started. Um, all that said, how would you feel if someone reached out to you and just said, hey, um, you mentioned your wedding to me last year, haven't heard anything, and I just am trying to solidify my plans for a year from now. Um, am I still on the list? I think that's fine. I mean, honestly, I think that is what I would do in this case, because I think people tend to generally understand that people are busy. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of things going on. I would hope that if you are somebody who's getting married and planning a wedding, that you respect that about your guests or potential guests. And that people, especially for a destination wedding or someplace that is away from where you are, you need you need to be able to plan. You need to have time to plan and to figure these things out. I do think that if the letter writer was still not quite comfortable with being like, hey, I'm just trying to figure things out. Can you let me know? If they know somebody who also Mm. might be invited to the wedding or other people who might be invited to the wedding, reach out to them. Ask them, have you gotten an invite to so-and-so's 
wedding yet. I was kind of told about it. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm just trying to figure things out, but I don't want to bother the the people getting married. And just ask them, did you get an invite? And if they got a paper invite and you haven't, well, then there's your answer. And if they haven't, then I think you can take that next step and just be like, hey, I'm just trying to coordinate plans. Is this still happening? That's a really good idea. There's always someone closer to the source who can help like answer those sensitive questions. Um, I think in this situation, I would just suggest a text um, just because that gives the the bride the flexibility to like craft an answer if it is a mm-hmm. no or if there's something awkward that needs to be explained. So here's what I drafted up. You can tell me what you think. Okay. Hey, you mentioned your wedding is next April and I said I was available, but I just found out my brother is also getting married that month. I'm hoping I can attend both. I wanted to let you know as soon as possible if I couldn't. Of course, I know it's really early. I know guest list editing can be so challenging. If I'm not on the list, I completely understand and will look forward to seeing the pictures. Either way, I'm just really excited for you. And I can't wait to celebrate you either on the big day or sometime later with just the two of us. That's perfect. Yeah, that's that's absolutely perfect. That's I, I might just save that for like all future. That being said, all my friends are pretty much married at this point. But, <laughs> you know, for anybody else who has this problem, I feel like bookmark that response because that's like the perfect, perfect way to go about it. Yeah. Yeah. I always feel like it's touchy. Um, In this case, the letter writer has basically been invited. She's probably on the list. But I always feel it's sensitive when someone who's like one of your looser acquaintances, someone whose wedding you could or could not be invited to gets married and you want to talk to them about it because it's exciting, Mm -hmm. but you don't want to make it awkward if you're not invited. I always like to just put it out there and be like, I know how it is. If I'm I'm probably not invited and that's great. I still want to talk to you about it. Don't feel weird. Um, At this point in life, well, whatever age you are, when you're getting married, most people have either been in a wedding or had a friend who's been married, and everyone knows, like, the guest list is this tortured thing um, that doesn't always reflect exactly how you feel about everyone, and it can involve really hard decisions. So I think the more you're just kind of honest and upfront about that, the better off you are. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So our next question is titled, Sad Bride. I am eloping with my fiancé, best friends, and sister. My sister invited herself. For context, my mom died when I was 18 and she was 15. My sister has been very unkind during the wedding planning. My fiancé has made it very clear he no longer wants her there. I don't want her there either, but I am worried she will throw it in my face forever. I am the agreeable sister. My dad only wants the peace. I am stuck between keeping the peace of my family or standing up to my sister and picking my fiance. Do not invite this woman to your wedding. Mm. Just, I I have such hard, hard feelings about this based on um, some other stuff. But like, your wedding pictures are going to be forever. If you do video, your wedding video is going to be forever. And if this person is somebody that you know, is not being kind to you, is not being supportive of you, you're going to have those memories every time you look at those pictures, every time you think back on your wedding. Your wedding is your day, you, yours and your partner's day. You deserve to have whoever there that you want to have there. And the people that you want to have there are the people that are definitely unconditionally going to support you. My concern is that if this person is being so unkind that your your fiance doesn't want her there, that it's just going to pull focus from your wedding. 
And you're going to spend the whole time worried that she's going to cause drama or that she's going to say something or do something that's going to frustrate things. It's going to make your fiance uncomfortable. It's not worth the hassle. And you can explain to her that, look, I love you. You're my sister. It sounds like her dad's not coming either. Mm -hmm. How about the three of you do like a wedding brunch or something if she wants to celebrate your wedding after the fact or even Mm -hmm. before the fact? You know, do something like that that is not going to potentially impact your actual wedding day. Because like the last thing you want to be doing when you're getting married is worrying about somebody else and somebody else's problems and, you know, keeping the peace at with among other people. It's just not worth it. I definitely agree. And I think there's, there's kind of a critique of the whole line of thinking that says your wedding is your day. And it's all about you. And everyone has to cater to you on your wedding day. And everyone has to be nice to you for a year leading up to your wedding day and nobody can share anything that might upset you and everyone has to get the haircut you want them to get for your wedding. I don't agree with all that. I definitely don't agree with that. (laughs) I do think weddings are too expensive and too stressful to have people there who are going to be unkind to you or even who just give you bad vibes. Um, Like if you're going through all this trouble to travel and have this special ceremony um, what's the point if there's someone there who's literally been mean to you and going to continue to be mean to you? But I do think, I don't know, I probably should have looked this up, but is it really an elopement if guests are coming? I always thought an elopement was just... Or planned. I always thought spouse. like, an yeah, or, or if it's yeah. planned so far in advance. Like, it doesn't feel like an elopement, but it feels just like a small way. Yeah, I wedding. think it gets tricky when you have, right, when you have your best friends coming. Like, right, now you're having a very small destination wedding, And once you invite someone, like, that opens up questions about who else is entitled, in quotes, to be there. Um, So that does make it tricky, but it is what it is. And I would just point out, too, to the letter writer, if you do decide to uninvite your sister, it's not picking your fiancé, as you said in the letter. It's picking yourself. Mm -hmm. And weddings can really be a time, I think, to kind of um, reset relationships so they don't just reflect the relationships you you already have, but they sort of um, make a statement about what you'd like those relationships to be going forward. So this might be a really good time to transition from being the agreeable one who just accepts mistreatment from her sister to being the person who stands up for herself. And one great thing about marriage is you have someone who's like obligated to be on your team and in your mm-hmm. corner now. So you're more powerful than you were before. Um, and this can be a great moment to show your sister that like, the days of you being mean to me are over. I understand that you played a motherly role and that we probably both have like some pain and trauma that's caused you to not be the nicest, but that changes now. Um, I'm an adult. This is the next stage of my life and it's not going to be the same. Absolutely. And, you know, for the record, you're not uninviting her because you never invited her to begin with. Good point. You, She invited herself. So basically, you're just saying, no, I do not accept your self-invitation to my wedding. Final thought. If you were the fiancé, would you be like a smidge worried about this woman's inability to stand up to her sister? Yes. And just, yeah, I would too. Yes. Hard um, yes. Um, I think that 
your wedding is a good indicator of upcoming family dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a opportunity to kind of see during that planning process, like who has the domineering mother whose parents yeah. are kind of flaky and not involved and to assess how your partner deals with both your family dynamics and their own family dynamics. Um, so yes, if I'm the fiance here and my partner is saying like, I'm going to, I'm willing to invite this person that neither of us actually wanted our wedding, uh, just because I don't want the conflict, I would be concerned. Yeah. I always say, I think weddings can be a great time to figure out how your partner operates and what they value when it comes Mm -hmm. to money. Um, when it comes to making other people happy versus making yourself happy when it comes to um, appearances, like how much do they care about social media and pictures versus experiencing the moment. There are just so many things that come into play um, and family relationships are a huge one. So like I said, I think this would just be a great time to sort of reset and make a transition to have the kind of relationship with your sister that you want to have um, to show your fiance that he doesn't have to worry about being manipulated by her for the rest of your lives together, but also because you'll be so much happier. You're listening to Dear Prudence, and when we come back, more letters from you and hopefully some helpful advice. Stay tuned. On Death, Sex, and Money, we feature interviews with you, our community of listeners, getting honest about uncomfortable things. I developed an illness where it isn't safe for me to drive. A friend once said to me, sex is like air. You don't think about it until you're not getting enough. This is a similar sort of thing if you just replace sex with driving. Listen to Death, Sex, and Money wherever you get podcasts. Can't get enough Dear Prudence? Then you should definitely join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. You'll get to hear me answer an extra question every week just for members. With your subscription, you get ad-free listening across the Slate network and unlimited reading on the Slate site, including all Dear Prudence columns, past and present. Go to slate.com forward slash Prudy Plus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. Again, that's slate.com forward slash Prudy Plus. Welcome back to Dear Prudence. I'm here with my guest, Shana Ross, to answer your letters. Ready to tackle another one? Absolutely. This letter is titled, I'm sorry, could you repeat that? About seven months ago, a close friend of mine asked me to be a bridesmaid, and I said yes. We live in the same general metropolitan area, about 45 minutes away from each other on a good day. In the last three months, I discovered a tumor in my ear canal, completely lost hearing in that ear, and about three weeks ago, has surgery to remove the invasive growth, reconstruct the destroyed middle ear with titanium implants, and remove the eroded and affected organic matter. Though the surgery was outpatient, the recovery has been difficult and incredibly isolating. I have asked, begged, my girlfriend to visit me numerous times, but she always has an excuse, usually wedding-related. She was supposed to drive me to my surgery, but the venue canceled the day before, and her mother was flying in to look at alternatives last minute. I understood the dilemma and arranged for alternate transportation in the hopes that I might take the burden off her plate, but also said, 
please visit me during recovery when things die down. However, the loneliness I've experienced since the surgery is overwhelming. Not least of all, because being without half my hearing, I have a difficult time navigating the outside world in general. Busy or crowded places are discombobulating. The social life I used to enjoy is no longer an option. But I'm also having a hard time sitting alone in my apartment without human contact for weeks on end. I'm disappointed in my entire support system, especially my soon-to-be-married friend. I don't want to be a negative Nancy, but it seems like my gal pal isn't as close to me as she thinks she is. If my very direct pleases for some companionship for a night are always met with excuses related to wedding planning, I mean, the wedding is in two months. I truly thought this was one of my closest friends, but I'm feeling abandoned. Is it okay to forego my participation in her wedding? As a bridesmaid, I don't know if my recovery will warrant the loud noises of the wedding as I'm still adapting to my earpieces. And now on a personal level, it seems to me she may have better friends to add to her wedding party. Or am I expecting too much from my friend and completely out of line? I feel like a fool for even asking. So... The letter writer is saying that she wants to back out because of the loud noises and, you know, maybe the bride has better friends. But I think the truth is it's because the bride hasn't been a good friend to her and she's hurt. And that's okay, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that friendships evolve, friendships change, uh, and and they can do that based on a number of things, including, you know, if somebody has an illness, maybe you, you find out that, you know, they that you're not as important to this, this person as you previously thought. And I think it's totally fair to ask her if you should still be in her wedding, because let's face it, being a bridesmaid is an expensive pain in the ass. You know, the only reason to do it is if you are close to the bride or to one of the people getting married. Otherwise the whole process is, is exhausting and, and, and not worth it. So if this isn't somebody that, you think you're still going to be friends with, you know, years down the road, if this is somebody who's not, you know, supporting you when you really need it most, I mean, it's, it's okay to be like, Hey, look, this just isn't working out for me, but I would still love to come to your wedding and support you in that way. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's possible that what's going on is just a, this person is just really flaking because there's a lot going on in their life and maybe more than the wedding that you don't know about. Um, But I think no matter what, these two need to have like a really serious conversation. I guess one thing I struggled with reading this night, I I had a hard time deciding where I came out on it was whether like seven months of flakiness by someone who lives 45 minutes away and has not come to see you is like sufficient grounds to back out of a wedding. And maybe that's maybe that's the wrong question. I wonder if the failure to visit and care for the letter writer during her illness is something that's maybe based off of like inadequate communication or mm-hmm. the bride not truly understanding how serious the situation is. Um, so I wonder if this is a case for like a good thorough heart-to-heart conversation about needs and expectations and where the friendship stands um, before just kind of cutting things off. Because I do think... I do think backing out of the wedding would be um, friendship ending. Do you? I don't know. 
I mean, I guess it depends on how it's handled. I think that I think you might be very right that there is more. This is more a miscommunication issue. I mean, it is very possible that her friend is like, oh, you you hurt your ear and Mm -hmm. doesn't realize that like, oh, no, this is serious. And um, sorry to interrupt. The friend yeah. may be living in that world of like, it's my wedding. It's all right. about me right now. I'm the right. bride. I'm not supposed to be taking care of others. Everyone is supposed to, And that's not a great way to feel, but I think it's a common way to feel, you know? Right. Or just having like a lot of stress of trying to plan it in, you know, these kind of weird times. Or maybe they've got, you know, a bunch of people who are har- harassing them because, you know, planning weddings can be stressful. Um, you know, so maybe they're also going through that. So I do think that a heart to heart is very, very necessary. But I do think she can back out of the wedding and still have it be a solid friendship. But it would require that heart to heart. And I think that the reason would have to be, look, medically, I don't feel up to it. Um, right. You know, I'm going through all of this right now. I don't have the energy to, um, you know, do a bachelorette party. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm worried about all of the noise at, you know, going to a bar or whatever with a bunch of girls or people or, you know, just like the weddingness of it might be difficult. Um, the letter writer needs to look inward and figure out, like, what is what is her real problem here? Right. I totally agree. Yeah. Is it that she thinks that her friend is being a shit friend? Maybe. And if that's the case, like how big of a shit friend is she being? Or is it that, you know, she's got some medical stuff going on and she's nervous about dealing with that in the real world? I think it could be a combination of those two things, Mm -hmm. which is that she's dealing with medical stuff. The medical stuff has made her really depressed and the depression has made her so much more sensitive um, and vulnerable when it comes Mm -hmm. to her friend not being a good friend. So everything is kind of like piling together to make this situation just really unbearable. Just for fun, I thought I would ask you, what's the latest you can back out of a wedding? This letter writer says there's, we have two months to go. And that seems pretty tight to me. That is super tight. Yeah. Um, Three days before, I would say you just have to do it now, right? Um, A year before, I would say, go ahead and back out. She can make another plan. I feel like two months is on the edge. I don't know. What do you think? I think two months is on the edge. And it also kind of depends on like the makeup of the wedding party slash the ceremony. If it's mm-hmm. one of those things where, it, you know, it's it's pretty casual, it's pretty loose and, you know, uneven number on both sides is not going to be a de- be a thing. You know, it's not going to matter. Then, you know, then then they're just out the the cost of your food, basically. And that's not a huge right. deal. Um, you know, but if it is a much more formal wedding, if there was, I think the answer is how much of, how much of sunk cost are you going to be? Are you going to like ruin the whole, like is, is not having you as a bridesmaid going to ruin the whole vibe of the wedding? Like it's going to be uneven. It's going to cost, you know, this, that, and the other thing where they're like a bunch of custom sweatshirts made with your name on it, <laughs> you know, all of that stuff. Like what are the total costs that the, the, the couple getting married are going to have to eat because of your absence and how much of that can be mitigated two months. They're probably not getting anything back. Um, so yeah, I think two months is really cutting it close either way. It's definitely cutting it close. Um, Yeah. It's rough. We should have gotten this like six months ago, but I get that things kept changing. 
Just to answer the final question, am I expecting too much from my friend? Absolutely not. Am I completely out of line? Absolutely not. And no, you're not a fool for even asking. No. I just think to wrap up, you just want to think about, um, just be honest about the reasons you're you're giving to yourself and to your friend for backing out. So if it really is your physical health, absolutely put yourself first. If it really is just kind of being mad at her for not being there for you, I would suggest um, taking a few steps, maybe trying to fix things before you just ghost completely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think no matter what, the two of you need to have a sit down. Uh, The sooner, the better, because if it's like the week before the wedding, it's really not going to go well. Uh, But invite her over for drinks or invite, you know, her to meet up somewhere in between your guys' two Well, it sounds like she probably won't come because she's just that unavailable right now. So, Mm. I mean, if you have to send a three-paragraph text, send a three-paragraph text. Make yourself clear. This is Dear Prudence. We have to take a break, but when we come back, more letters from you and advice from us. Stay tuned. I'm Janae, and you're listening to Dear Prudence. We have reached our last question. Shana, are you ready for it? I am ready. This letter is titled, Need to Pony Up If I'm Not Betting on This Horse. My husband and I have a 24-year-old child in their first serious relationship. Their partner was also assigned female at birth. They are currently in graduate school with our financial support. The two have been living together through the pandemic, so for several years— I recently found out that my child's relationship is polyamorous, and they are primary partners. Now they are asking us to help pay for their wedding, and specifically how much we can contribute. My child has also inquired about any family jewelry with diamonds to use for an engagement ring. I don't understand the desire for such a traditional institution with such an unconventional and, in my opinion, potentially unstable lifestyle. A big wedding would be a financial strain for us. I am also not a believer on spending a lot on weddings on principle. We are working hard not to alienate our only child. Is there a way we can support them while also respectfully telling them we don't think they need to get married now, at least not on our dime? Is there a token amount we could contribute to keep the peace? My impression is that the partner and her parents are enthusiastic about the idea of a big wedding. Letter writer, be honest with us. This isn't about the money. You just really don't approve of your child's relationship. And um, you need to kind of come clean about that to yourself before you can get ask for any advice about how to move forward. Don't you think, Shana? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my initial thought was, is this really about the money or is it it's about, not about the, the lifestyle? Money. And it is, it, it's absolutely not. And the thing that really, the part that really stuck out to me was, quote, I don't understand the desire for such a traditional institution with such an unconventional and, in my opinion, potentially unstable lifestyle. I don't think it's fair to say that because someone has an unconventional, quote unquote, lifestyle that they don't get to participate in something traditional like a wedding. I mean, that's kind of part of the rationale for denying same-sex couples' weddings for decades. And just because they think it's unstable doesn't make it so. I mean, just like marrying one person, marrying another person doesn't guarantee that it's going to be a successful marriage. Just ask all those celebrities who get married for 12 hours. You know, this is about the people that are involved in, in in the marriage. 
Yes. So the question, is there a way we can support them while also respectfully telling them we think they don't need to get married now, at least not on our dime? No, absolutely not. No. Um, there's not a way you can do that. You say that you want to like keep this relationship with your child. And so my advice to you, if that's your goal, would be to pretend as if you are someone who supports this relationship and respects this relationship. Just pretend until you get there. Put yourself in that frame of mind. Ask yourself, what would I be willing to contribute? What would I be able to afford if um, my child were marrying you know, someone in a more traditional way? And then do that. Do exactly what you would do if you felt that this marriage was respectable. Um, I hope that kind of brings your relationship with your kid to the next level. And I hope that eventually you get to the point where you can authentically support. But until then, just fake it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to remember that supporting someone is more than just saying, like, in theory, I support what they're doing. It's it's supporting, you know, who they are choosing to build a life with. It's supporting how they are living in their day to day world. And yeah, I, I, I think it's important to remember that it's one thing to say that you support what they're doing. It's another thing to actually fully and truly uh, support them. Yeah. So I think this is an easy answer. Like write Mm -hmm. the check, write the check that you would have (laughs) written um, if your child was having the wedding that you imagined when they were five years old. Um, Don't make any of the comments that you're thinking about making. Just kind of keep your mouth closed. Try to look for the things that you can relate to and authentically be excited about. And hopefully when you see this couple together who's in love and hopefully the wedding will be beautiful with all the nice stuff that you paid for, I'm hopeful and optimistic that at some point you'll be able to um, authentically come around to give your kid the kind of love and support they really deserve. Those are all the questions we have for this week. And as always, I really hope we've been helpful. Thank you so much, Shana. I think you had so much wedding wisdom to offer and I really appreciated you bringing it to these letters. Thank you so much, especially for having me uh, on Slate's wedding week. I really enjoyed this. Go listen to Shana's work every Thursday on The Waves, Slate's podcast about feminism and gender. And tune into her NPR podcast, Mitchmash, every Friday, where she unjumbles Michigan issues with state politics reporters to find out how statewide news stories affect you. Do you need help getting along with partners, relatives, coworkers, and people in general? Write to me. Go to slate.com forward slash prudy. That's slate.com forward slash P-R-U-D-I-E. The Dear Prudence column publishes every Thursday. And you can join us for the Dear Prudy live chat on Mondays at noon Eastern. If you'd like to hear your question answered on the podcast, we are looking for letter writers who would be comfortable recording their questions for the show. You can stay anonymous. Dear Prudence is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks. Editorial help from Paola de Verona. Daisy Rosario is Senior Supervising Producer and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of Audio. I'm your dear Prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. Until next time.